This Bible study is entitled, The Nativity, God's Message. Gordon is reading from Psalm chapter 2. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. Now, for kiss, the uh, American standard puts do homage to the Son. And so, thinking on this. Uh, subject I thought I would start first of all from Bethlehem the evidence the evidence uh, and of course the first is the evidence of the shepherds how did they learn about Jesus well we all know the story there was an angel made an announcement that there was a savior born and of course you remember other angels joined in and the shepherds obeyed the word that the angels brought and went to behold Jesus. And then the, if you, when you read the story, they went around telling everybody about what they'd seen. And what had the scene? The scene saw a babe born as a saviour. The second little evidence that from the Bethlehem was the Magi. How did they know? Well, if, if you believe the skeptics, it was a conjunction of stars. It's no problem to me to believe God could create some special guiding light. And my God can do anything. And so they were guided by a star to meet the one who was born king. By faith, they followed that star, and by faith, they recognized Christ for who he is and what he is. It was revealed to it then. Mary and Joseph, they received their knowledge and understanding of the situation from angels. They learned that the baby was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. By revelation, they gave his name Jesus, also Emmanuel, and confirmed their faith and trust by their obedience to these things. All of these involve God working miracles. But then I would want to broaden out what I've called extra evidence from the Bible. Matthew 17, 4, Mark 9, 7, and Luke 9, 35, you'll all immediately grasp that this is the records of the transfiguration, where Jesus and the th three inner circles, Peter, James, and John, were on a mountain. Just three little things to say. Notice, first of all, Peter's error. Let's make three tabernacles. 
suddenly the the scene changes and God responds to that statement. So an error, God responds to that error and he clarifies something very special. This is my son. Listen to him. Now, think about this. Doesn't say, this is my son, listen to me. He says, this is my son, listen to him. Secondly, in this extra evidence, uh, there's the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I, I sometimes get into uh, trouble. If you're in the brethren, you think I'm a, I'm a charismatic. If you're in the charismatic side of things, you think I'm a tight, narrow brethren. But my views on the Holy Spirit are quite simply this. John 14 and verse 26. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will remind you of all that I, that's Jesus, had spoken. So that's the first part of the work of the Holy Spirit, is to remind us what Jesus has said. And all, it's common that they want to say all this spectacular, but his first job is to remind us of what Jesus said. And the other one is you need to turn to John at some time, you really should, 16 and verse 13 to 14. And Jesus says, he will not speak about his, his own things, but he will point people to Jesus. So first he reminds us, and then he points us to Jesus. Notice in those two extra evidences, father and son are engaged in one simple task, highlighting the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some more evidence. Peter, in his first message, and I hope you're all very familiar with that message, he proclaims Jesus. He is the whole central point of the message of Peter. John declares with his opening statement in his his gospel, his deity and his humanity. He concludes with this reason for writing the book that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God. Pointing again to Jesus. Probably the least read, and dare I say, the least understood New Testament book is the book of Revelation. Now, I've preached in various places right the way through from the first verse to the last verse on this book. I love it. I think every Christian should love that book. Why? For these three reasons. Usually if I do an introduction, I do more than three. But the book begins with Jesus. The center of all that takes place 
is Jesus. Remember chapter 4 and 5, for example. We see in chapter 4, the throne room of God. But there's something missing. There's something missing. And John starts to weep because there was no, some, missing with somebody to open the seals of the book. And he's told not to weep because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and when he turns, what does he see? Now I'll give you a little Greek lesson here. He sees the lamb. There are two things about the Greek. Every time you get the Lamb of God in Revelation, it is linked with a diminutive. In other words, it was a little lamb. In the tenses in chapter 5, he sees the little lamb freshly slain. That's what was missing. When he came, comes in, he takes up the rule and everything centers on him. And of course, if, you're if you are one of those who is familiar, you will know that in the last couple of chapters, everything ends with Jesus. And of course, he's promised to come. Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is. Some would tell you it's the Spirit. Some would tell you God. But there in Hebrews 12, it's directing us to Jesus. One of the verses that always attracts my attention, and I quote it and over and over again, it's Acts 2, verse 23. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross and as Ruthie was reminding us on Tuesday from Revelation that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world he was always the central part the picture through these verses is something like from eternity through time to eternity Jesus Christ our Lord is central to the whole of God's plan for salvation and redemption, sanctification. If you want to continue that, you can go to glorification. The background of the brethren fills us with lots of these big words. Jesus, in other words, is more important than any other person superior in every aspect. I hope you grasp that. If you want me to go over some of those points, I will do. So then, what is God's message to humanity? Well, I've entitled this section, The End of the Debate. Because every single thing that I've mentioned turns our focus to Christ and Christ alone. Now, I qualify that in a second. 
But you remember the old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Now, when we say Christ is the focus, this has all things to do with our eternal realities, with our eternal realities. Secondly, our trust, if, or if you want to put the, the, another word in, faith, should be in him and him alone. And not ways of worship, not styles of worship, nothing but in him alone. For he alone has the ability to save, to keep, and eventually to take us into heaven. Our lives should be spent, and I've, I'm keeping these brief, I hope you understand this, first in following. That's what he kept, said to his early disciples, come follow me. It should be spent in service. Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. It should be spent in fellowship with him. I'm always I always tell the story that when I was the early months, maybe a couple of years after I was converted, I was a very shy person. And when all our young people, and there was about three dozen or 40 of them, went out together, they would all be in a bunch and I'd be walking three foot behind. That was following, but it wasn't in fellowship. Now I want you to see the difference. We're not, we are that call to follow is call to walk in his company and enjoy all that he is to us. Our energies should be bent to proclaiming this Jesus to. First to each other, to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we live in a day when Christians really need to be encouraged. We're under attack from so many quarters. I, there was a, an article in today's papers, the Jew, one of the chief Jewish rabbis was protesting about how the Chinese are treating the Islamic people in China. Not a word about how they treat the Christians the same way. And secondly, to the lost, that they may be saved. This is God's message, I believe, to, uh, to the world. Christ is the, has to be the central part of everybody's life. The cost, of course, as we know, of not doing that is horrific. And that's why I started with that psalm, verse two, verse 12, to homage to the Son that he not become angry with you. It's the Son we do homage to, and it's the Son who can be angry. There was an occasion when God opened the heavens and said, This is my Son in whom I find my delight. 
the crowd said it thundered. The disciples heard God's voice. And that's important because it puts the onus on us to make sure God's voice is heard. That was Gordon Stoves on behalf of Gospel Outreach International in December 2020. Part of the Christmas Greetings series. We hope you have enjoyed this Bible study, and if you'd like to join us for other online Bible studies, then you can find more details at goi.org.uk. You are welcome to share this Bible study with others, but please don't modify it without express permission.